Leonard Lee here, host of Say Yes and Become, and I am excited to tell you about Papa's Roast Coffee, our sponsor in 2024. Papa's Roast Coffee is a single origin coffee roasted on the northern coast of Oregon, and it is done by our friends Dean and Debbie Christ. I want to tell you a little bit about it because for those of you who are on the go and you want just a single K-cup, you can get K-cups from Dean and Debbie's Papa's Roast. If you want a classic or if you want dark roast, if you want to put gift boxes together, they have all of that. So go to www.papasroast.com and order some today. Hey, let's get to the conversation now. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. My name is Justin Orr, and I am the host of this podcast, and I am so excited to be with you today. The temporary um, host of this podcast. <laughs> the temp- I am the temporary, thank you for pointing that out. I am here with <laughs> the real host, which is Leonard Lee. Uh, but say, say Yes is built on the idea that when we say yes to God, he does something with us and invites us into this beautiful friendship with God and to become partners and into transformation with him into disciples. But more than that, say yes is be about making disciples who make disciples and we become disciple makers. That's really what we're doing here. And that's really what we're talking about as well. We are in a six part series. Uh, this is part four. We're talking about love today. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the other three episodes, gosh, we want to tell you right now, stop, pause, Put the sucker on pause and scroll back through your podcast feed to find the first episode and listen from the beginning because these do build upon one another. Isn't that true, Leonard? Absolutely. And uh, and uh, I want to say thanks for, uh, for hosting this show. Um, it's nice to have people where the quality doesn't drop when they host, uh, but it'll drop when I get back into that chair. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, it, it is truly, I've been so excited about this series personally, because, um, again, this is how I was discipled. Like, this is how you trained me without knowing that this is how I was being trained. You didn't and know it. I knew it. I didn't know it, but you know, now as I am making disciples who make disciples, um, I love this because this process is so, well, this is what I do. Like there's, this is just how I disciple people now. And I want to be able to give them a resource that they can refer back to as they're learning how to do this, as we're having these organic conversations, because something we're talking about in the midst of this is this making disciples is very organic, right? It's done mm-hmm. in relationship with one another. Um, but it's not just the organic, because I know for me personally, when I am exposed to the organic, I ask questions, well, where's the strategy in this, right? I yeah. I, I want to know where, how does this fit together and how does this function as a whole? Um, how do I help people get to the next step? How do I help them move one step forward? And so would you give us just a quick rewind? Where have we been and what are we going to be talking or what, where have we been? Let's just start there. All right. So we call this the process of Jesus. It's how he made his disciples. It's how we move people from experience mm-hmm. to advocate. How did he okay. take somebody? He took this ragtag bunch of, of a dozen guys, maybe 120 total people, because that's what was left in the upper room after he went back into heaven. Mm-hmm. And how did he move them from this initial experience of whether it was hearing him talk, seeing a miracle, uh, just having a conversation bumping up against him. Uh, how did he move them from that initial experience to becoming so passionately driven to advocate for Jesus and his kingdom and what God was going to do? How did he do that? And we call that the Jesus process. And the Jesus process, um, highly relational, very strategic, but mm-hmm. it begins with the invitation to follow. Following is simply uh, the invitation to take steps in the direction of Jesus until those footsteps become his footprints. And that can take, that can take, you can be a part of that process where maybe you just have a conversation with somebody and point them to Jesus. You pray with them and they move forward and trust that the Holy Spirit, God who brings the harvest will send somebody else to further that process. But Mm -hmm. it's moving people into that initial step, uh, footsteps to footprints. And that's always about what we see and what we hear. 
the second, uh, from there, we move from following into trusting. And trusting is that trans, it, it happens when our mind is transformed. When we change the way we think about mm-hmm. God, his kingdom, his work, ourselves, our past, our behavior, morality, sin, life, death, heaven, all of these things. And we do that by showing people just what an amazing uh, amazing God Jesus is, what he said, what he did, and what he's working on today, all in the context of this invitation that we were made by God and for God, and you can trust Jesus with your life. You can put the mm-hmm. weight of who you are on the truth of who he is mm-hmm. and what he's doing. And then the, and that leads us to today, which is La 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 love. Sorry. Love. I don't know why I, don't know why I sang that. That was weird. I have no idea why <laughs> you sang that either. Uh I just have this, I just have this uh this desire when I say it's love to it's to love. say love. <laughs> like you know, I, I don't have a deep enough voice like Barry White, but yeah, love songs. It's all about love. And because here's what happens, Justin. When I when I begin to trust somebody uh-huh. affection begins to grow in my heart and when affection grows in my heart uh, that turns into love and uh, i can point that back to my marriage i can point that back and go in the way back machine mm-hmm. and just talk about the fact the fact that uh, i begin to follow meaning i saw and heard merrily Mm-hmm. Begin to follow her with my eyes, with my ears, and go, oh. Uh, and as she spoke, as I watched the character of her life, as I watched uh, how she served others, the way she loved Jesus, the way she treated me and treated others, um, I literally uh, began to trust her. And so I began to trust her with with Leonard's stories, mm-hmm. you know, the real ones that nobody else knows. I began to trust her with, uh, with my thoughts. I began to trust her with, and that... Uh, that brought about an affection in my heart for her. I began to like her tons and that grew to loving her tons. That's 35 years ago, 36 years ago now that that process began and it continues today as I follow, as I trust and as I love. And that's the Jesus process with his disciples. He moved them from following eyes and ears steps in his direction to trusting so that the weight of their life, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you to love where they go, man, Jesus, we're really starting to have a a love for you. And what did that look like? So that's the process of. uh, So what I just, just summarize, just so I make sure I I understand what you're talking about and our listeners are getting this. So, Following is always the invitation with to, to, to look to Jesus with our mm-hmm. eyes and our ears. It's about giving him our attention. Practically, we do that by diving into the, the gospels, really, mm-hmm. right? Like the New Testament, yes. we're, we're learning about Jesus. This is where we learn about Jesus. And so you're helping somebody dive into the word, and that's helping them take that step closer in their following process. And in that, they 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 learn this, they make these choices like. They see that he's trustworthy. They begin to choose to trust him. They begin to lean in. We, we kind of likened it to a chair in the last episode. They kind of put their full weight in him uh, because, you know, they realize that he'll hold up. And from that, we, we, we this affection grows. This, mm-hmm. this, this thing of love uh, grows in us. Um, can I, and maybe this is a little off topic, but I just, how does that affection grow? Like I just, I, I, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I just think, I think part of it for me is I receive his love because I, as I trust him, I see that he loves me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how does that, like, how does my affection respond? Like, how does that work? Can you explain that? Um, I think that it works in a couple different ways. One way is just as you described, uh, I see that he loves me and I trust that. And as mm. I trust that, um, the response to love is is almost always love. Um, it's funny because I'll be on the phone talking to somebody in India about fixing my computer or doing something. I'll be on the phone talking to somebody, uh, uh, you know, across the, the country about uh, solving a, 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 
uh, a bad record on my ATM card. I didn't purchase that. And uh, every once in a while, I don't do this every time because it's a little weird, but every once in a while, I'll finish my conversation with, oh, you know what? I just really love you. And it's so <laughs> weird because almost every single time I do that, you hear this awkward, like, uh, I love you too. Because, because the yeah. response to love is love. And so affection begins to grow in my heart mm -hmm. when I begin to trust what God says about how he feels about me, about what he thinks about me. Uh, you know, so you look at Psalm 139, you look at Jeremiah 1, you look at uh, Psalm 8, you look at all these different scriptures. Um, man, this whole love thing is powerful. And that's how affection begins to grow. Um, the second one is, is when I begin to um, practice at, or live my life as though I am loved. Um, you know, we often, we often stop there. Um, and so we get to this place where God loves me and we fight that. Oh, yeah, he does. But why, how could he? And, and on and on. But the reality of it is, is that, is that, uh, I begin to practice when I begin to say, well, you know, he loves me. And so I'm going to live as loved. Uh, I'm going to live as, uh, I, I actually think that that is the key to crossing so many cultures and so many barriers mm -hmm. is to live as one whom Jesus loves, mm -hmm. you know? And so when John says in John, I'm the disciple Jesus loves, man, I get giddy about that because I don't think, you know, 20 something, 30 something year old John uh, walked away going, yeah, yeah. But he wrote those words as maybe 90 year old John. Mm -hmm. And so he had had a lifetime of living out the reality that Jesus loves me. And so when he, when he writes those words, I'm the disciple Jesus loved, that's not just a reflection of his three years with Jesus. That's a reflection of his 30, 40, 50 years with Jesus. Whoa. That's who I am. And so it, because he began to practice, I am really and truly loved by God. It, it, it sure sounds transformational. Like, because mm -hmm. it, it if you're walking into this process and you, you know, I, I, I guess I, I just keep leaning on my own experience in this. One of the things that God needed to untangle in my life was I just felt so unloved and so unworthy of love because of sin in my life, mm -hmm. you know, because I, and we've talked about this in the past, I've wrestled with addiction for years. And mm -hmm. because of that struggle, I thought that I had to somehow earn approval or love or affection and that's not the case with God. Just showing up, I get his, uh, it's given. And so the transformation that took place when I learned that, again, go back to trust. Like I had to change my thinking about what love was yeah, and re then really receive it for what it was. And then you said it, I had to live as if I'm loved. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, when I grabbed a hold of that thought, everything changed for me in how I treated others mm. because say that again, uh, that's powerful. No, it really, it's true. When I began to live as though I was really loved by God, I began to it change. It really transformed. It changed me in the way I treated others because I wanted them to know how much God loved them Yeah, because I'd experienced it. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I received that, I mean, again, this is just such a organically beautiful process that goes on for a lifetime. And I'm still growing in this stuff, like, mm -hmm. you know, receiving his affection and and growing in that. But I I, I need to ask this question because we, we're, we're kicking this word around, but we haven't defined it. And I think it's important for us to define it here because I think there were folks who have a skewed view of what love is. And so Leonard, would you define for us what biblical love is? What, what are we talking about when we say yeah. that? Um, let me illustrate it from the scriptures and then I'll define it. Okay. Um, the illustration is um, how does affection grow? Uh, the disciples are following Jesus. Okay. Uh, they're trusting Jesus. 
And now Jesus says, I'm heading into Jerusalem. Uh, and, and they're going like, Jesus, bad stuff's going to happen there. They wanted to kill you last time. Don't you remember? Right. As though he forgets. Like, yeah. And then he says, but I got to go because it's daytime. And we, we do what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And Thomas says to him, speaking for all the disciples, well, then we're going to go die with you. Mm. That was not a statement of, uh, of bravado. That was not a statement of... Uh, I don't believe it was a statement of grandeur. I think it was a statement of love. Mm. Jesus, we've given everything and we're going to follow you to the end because affection has grown in us. Mm-hmm. And how did they define that? They defined it because they saw it. Mm-hmm. They saw what real love was. They saw. Um, and so when we start talking to, to um, we start living in this world that's going, uh, what does real love look like? Um, our world has worked overtime culturally mm-hmm. to redefine love. Mm-hmm. Uh, love means that you accept me for just as I am and agree with me and just let it be. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, none of us would define that who are parents. No, we would. We, it, it goes against actually the nature of relationship. Mm-hmm. We actually don't define that in our friendships because mm-hmm. we draw a line and say, hey, well, you can't really you can't really treat me that way. You can't right. speak to me that way. Or you're heading over the ledge and you're it's going to kill you if you get there. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong road. And so uh, real love always, always has an element of truth to mm-hmm. it. And, and it speaks. Um, I, I, I don't want to get too heady on this, but it speaks what is true but it also speaks truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I define what is true, that is the measurement of, of what is right and correct. Uh, I think of building, I used to build houses a long time ago and, and we would, uh, we would want to make sure that the walls in the house were 90 degrees because a leaning house is an unstable house. Yeah. It's um, kind of important. And so what we would do is we would use this thing called a plumb bob and we would make our own. You can buy them, you can make your own, but you basically get a string and you hang something at the bottom of the string. And because Mm -hmm. of gravity, it will always be at a perfect 90 degree angle. And we would just simply line things to what are true Mm -hmm. is, is that 90 degree angle is true. And when we had something to, and so love is aligned to what is true, what is correct, what is accurate. Right. Um, and love is also about speaking truth. Paul mm-hmm. says it this way in Ephesians four, he says, speaking the truth and love. Um, if you were to pull that out of the Greek language, it might read something like this truthing in love, um, mm-hmm. because it's not just about the words we say, it's how we live. It's how we embrace people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I sat in your front room while you wept. Because you had done something that you just meant, I, I think my life is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a lot to say. I just sat there. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, is that's true thing in love. Because mm-hmm. my presence there uh, lets you understand that there's a truth, that mm-hmm. God loves you, that he's with you, that you're not alone. But it is also, because later on, I had a lot of words for you, um, okay. <laughs> you know, you can't live this way. You can't make these decisions. You've got to get a different help beyond what I can give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to reach out. You've got to stay faithful in this process of, of recovery. And mm-hmm. as you did that, uh, that truth and the truths you learned about re- through recovery, also what is true. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for us, when we're, when we are, um, uh, defining love we have to define it on the basis of what is true which is what is right what is good what is accurate mm-hmm. uh, about god and about life um uh, god says it this way don't be deceived god is not mocked what you sow you reap <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's that's true um, yeah. yeah you know uh step one off you know there's a true trueness to it what's 90 degrees and then also learning to speak truth or truthing somebody in love, both in presence and in word and deed, you know, this is how we truth mm-hmm. together. And so I think both those things. Um, and so 
when we look at our world, our world is telling us um, if if you don't accept my version of what is true, then you are not loving. In fact, you're hateful. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we <clears throat> have we live in a culture that gaslight gas lights uh, goodness, gaslights mm -hmm. integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and yet when we see a breach of integrity in somebody that's supposed to have it, we judge them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're living in that culture, in that world. And so somebody says, my truth, you know, I, I'm living out my truth. And um, my, the only truth that is mine, that is tr still true and truth is the truth that I receive from God. Yeah. It's what, it, and so it has to align with that. Yeah. <clears throat> now there's a difference between truth and reality. Mm. Um, that when I say something is truth, um, people will go, well, that's not my reality. Um, me, I don't experience that. And that's what Hebrews says about Moses. He says he, he chose in faith to live in the truth by faith. Mm -hmm. not in the pleasures of sin for a season, mm -hmm. not in the reality of where his life was and the opulence that he had in the, in the plenty and the power that he had. He says, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to take myself out of this reality and put myself in a truth. Yeah. By faith. Well, does that make it, sense? It totally does. And I think this is the beauty of uh, let's, you can cycle back a little bit. Let's go back to trust. Mm -hmm. trust is the place where we're choosing to trust what true is who mm -hmm. defines truth for us yeah. so so we you you step back into look you can trust that what god says about these things in your life to be true and so as we experience love right now so this is this is what i love about this process these things are so interconnected mm -hmm. you know we follow we're giving him our eyes and our attention we're trusting. So we're renewing our mind, which this is one of those places we have to renew our mind yeah. about what is truth. Am I going to define it for myself or am I going to let God define it for me? Yeah. And then how do I receive that love in that process? Mm -hmm. Right. And then how do I pass that on? Because that's really kind of what you were talking about in our experience was the fullness of grace and truth is what love looks like when it shows up, when somebody's hurting, yeah. you know, when, when, when there's brokenness, I love you, you know, this is broken. I'm with you and God still loves you. And we're still here with you yeah. as, as I'm walking through this struggle and the frustration of being stuck, mm -hmm. you know, and then as God began to heal some of those wounds and reshape my thinking, because I'll be honest, that was a big part of the battle. Yeah. I was looking in the wrong spot for freedom. Mm, yeah. And so I had to shift my eyes. I had to trust what God says about me, that he loves me, that I don't have to earn that. And I'll tell you, that was a, that was a big one. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional because like the lie that I believe that somehow I had to be worthy of God's love mm. clouded my vision of who he was yeah. and his goodness. When until I untangled that and I started to trust. No, no, no. I have to live as if I'm loved because I am. And even when I felt like I was faking it, it was me doing my best to put my weight in that chair and trust him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you're making disciples, I, I know people hate the phrase fake it till you make it, but I'll be honest. I've had to do that in my journey yeah. with him. I have to, Lord, I'm going to choose to trust you, even yeah, though I don't yeah. feel this yeah. right now. You know, there's but, another word for, uh, for that, that isn't fake it. It's called trust. Yeah, right. It's just called obedience. God, this yeah, is, yeah. I, I believe you. I don't, and, and you're, you're choosing to not allow your emotions. Yes. Uh, or your perceived reality. Right. Uh, but by faith, you're saying, God, I'm going to trust that what you say trumps what I My, feel. Yes, man, that's good. That is, yeah. and that you're absolutely right. That that's the process that I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, because yeah. because your emotions can they'll they'll contradict. At least I know mm -hmm. that my emotions can lie to me. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. They can tell me something is true. I feel this, even though I know it's not real. Yeah. Um, I, I always think of the movie, the blob. Do you remember this 1970s version of the movie, yes. the, the blob? So I was about 10. Uh, my sisters let me watch this thing. I remember being freaked out. So if you don't know the movie, it's this, this alien jello ball falls from outer space and starts eating people and grows as it eats people and things and animals. And I remember being freaked out of jello or pudding or if it wiggled, I wasn't touching it. Like, <laughs> no, my mom was so angry with my sisters because she let me watch this movie right when I was 10 years old and I'm, I'm not having it. Like, but the reality, is there a giant ball of jello that's going to fall from outer space and eat the flesh off my bones? No. But as a, as a, you know, my feelings told me it was true and it was yeah. real. And, and so, you know, that it's just an example for me, that just a reminder that, that my feelings are just feelings. They're not a good gauge of what's truth. And so when it comes to this transformational process of, of leaning into love mm -hmm. and defining love, understanding that he's the one who defines what truth is for us, learning to trust that by faith experiencing it that there are such things as healthy boundaries and like you said we know this as parents yeah. hey don't put your hand on the hot stove it will burn you i'm saying that to you to protect you right i love right. my son i don't want him to burn his hand on the hot stove and it's not because i oh yeah go ahead and touch hot things go touch that burning coal i love you i, I accept you just as you are no, we we always set boundaries around our children because we love them. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so. I think there's a there's um uh, love love and hope go together in such a unique way. Mm. Um, hope is the gift of love, and uh, or, or or hope gifts is what helps us receive the gift of love. Um, because when I sit down and I say, okay, um, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. And I, uh, it's funny cause we, you know, I, I, I speak a lot and I've spoken a lot of camps and such, and I would take students through this process as a speaker, you know, to talk about the transforming power of love. And I would say, just write this down on your notes or wherever you're at. I'm the disciple Jesus loves. Now put your name there, you know? Leonard's the disciple Jesus loves. Justin's the disciple Jesus loves. Uh, it's funny how quickly we move past that. That's a great emotional exercise for camp, and I feel good, but I go home, and because the world is constantly trying to undo that. It's constantly trying to say, well, you're not enough or you don't need it. Or there's another definition of love, you know, and, and, uh, and I was in, I was in uh, Africa and one of the pastors stood and said, you mean to tell me that a loving God would send people to hell? I would never do that. And I said, well, that, there's two reasons you never would. One is because you have no clue what love means. And second of all, you're not holy. And when you combine the holiness and the perfection of God to his work at rescuing us, you have an amazing definition of love. Yeah. You have this amazing picture of a God who says you are, you, there's, there's no hope for you, uh -huh. but I will, I will build 100% of the bridge to you. That's a great picture of love. Um, and I think that, when I'm walking with somebody and sitting down with them and talking about love, um, I want to move them to a place where they can know the love of God and then rely on the love of God. That they can go, I can trust this. That And First uh, John 4, 16 says, we know and we rely on this, the love God has for us. The word know, there is a word that means we've come to... Uh, know it better and better because of our experience. Uh, I know it and I know it more and more and more. So it's a continual growth. The way I know God's love today is much more than I knew it at 40, mm -hmm. much more than I knew it at 20, much more than I knew it at 14. Yeah. And because of an experience of living as though I am loved mm -hmm. uh, and rely actually just means to place, um, 
to place uh, this 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 whole life of mine and make the love of God foundational to it. Mm-hmm. To be able to go, sit okay, I'm just we're gonna use an example, just sit in the chair. Sit in the chair. <laughs> Trust that he just sit in the chair and yes. sit in the love of God for what it is. Absolutely. And like, and when when you and I were hanging out in some of your dark seasons, one of the things you said to me again and again, why do you believe in me? Why are you here? Why? Why haven't you quit on me? And and my answer was simple, um, because God doesn't quit. Yeah. God has something for you. Uh, you're just not there yet. And uh, and I think for and I, I don't say that as my nobility. Uh, that's I could not have done that if I had expected you to provide the love I needed in those moments. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there to find love from you for you to go, Leonard, you're such a great guy. I was there because I was loved. Yeah. I was loved by God. You know, we we talk about that when I go places. I talk about uh, there's the people in this world who who run their lives to find love. And then there's the people in this world who run the race of life because they are loved. I am loved. And therefore, when I show up, I travel all over the world. I go places where I am literally the only white person within miles and miles. And I sit in a room uh, and it's very easy for me to think, man, I sure hope these guys love me. I sure hope. And every time I do, I think, well, that's not why I came. Mm-hmm. I didn't show up here so they'll love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I showed up here because I am loved by God and they are loved by God. Mm-hmm. And that's that when you, that's what happens when you know and rely on the love of God. So when I'm walking with somebody and I'm saying, I need you to trust and change the way you think so that affection grows for God, and then that moves out to others, wow, all of a sudden, I'm showing up places, you're showing up places, and you said it very well. When I really begin to believe that God loved me, I wanted to tell everybody else because it's too good to keep to ourselves. Yeah. yeah it's too it good to keep is. for my own. Um, and so that's a big part of that, that process. And so I, when I'm discipling somebody, I want to teach them to know and to rely by helping them define what God's love, biblical love is. Uh, you know, uh, how do we define that? We define that by looking at Jesus again, uh, God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, yeah. He shows up at the gravesite of his friend and he weeps and everybody says, wow, he really loved that guy. Uh, he takes off his robe and washes the feet of his friends and says, if I'm your teacher, do demonstrate this love for you. He says, no greater love has anyone than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. It is a continual uh, modeling of how did Jesus love people? How does God love us? And so that's a big part of the process. <clears throat> One of the things that um, when walking with people, you know, I I, I I constantly point back to that, what you just said about we love because he first loved us. And the evidence of that is the, the, his, the death and resurrection of the cross. Like that's the place that we point to. And it seems so odd right like i I don't know how else to say that but it just seems like it's such a strange thing but no greater love has any man than he laid down his life for his friends well you'd already explained it earlier that god's holiness requires um honestly it, it requires holiness like that's the payment like there's no other way to fix this mess other than what he did by sending Jesus for us. And so I think, you know, when we recognize the redemption and the beauty of that sacrifice that Jesus gave for, for, and especially when we personalize it, right? Cause it's easy to say, Oh, it's just for the world, but wait a minute, I'm in the world. Like this isn't just the world. It's me. And so when I personalize that, incredibly passionate sacrifice that he made that paid it so incredibly perfectly that I don't have to, I just have to 
follow and give him all of me, even to the best that I can, because like you said, this is that process, right? Mm -hmm. What I did 14 years ago is not what I do now. Mm -hmm. And so as I grow and as I follow more closely, as I trust more deeply, because I know more and I've learned more and I choose to trust and lean in and I experience this love, gosh, it just, it does, it flows to other people. Because that's the natural progression of becoming a disciple maker yeah. is when we really do these things and experience these things, we can't help it. It, it becomes the just the the outpouring of our souls because that's the partnership, right? You know, hey, I love you, be my friend and do this thing with me becomes a, 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 a just the natural flow of this. And I yes. also think, you know, sometimes we talk about fruit. These are the places we bear fruit, right? Love, mm-hmm. peace, this fruit of the spirit dives into the mix of all this. As yes. we trust, we grow in, in these things. We, as we experience his love, we, we get greater peace. As our minds renewed, we, we find joy. And like all of those things that we've talked about, um, this Jesus path forward, this Jesus path, it, it, it really gives us an organic way in which we can do these things. So um, let, let me, let me tell a story real quick. The Jesus process um, takes us to a place of just sitting down and being loved by God. So I'm speaking at this place and uh, it's a, it's a odd crowd. I mean, a whole variety of people are there. Um, and I was talking about the love of God and uh, a guy interrupts me. Hey preacher. And that's never a good thing when you're preaching. You <laughs> have your sermon interrupted by somebody. You know, I don't you, know. Hey, if, hey preacher. Know, I don't know if he's drunk, angry, sober. I don't have no idea. Uh, but he says, "Hey preacher." Um, well, yes, yes, sir. What, what, what? Do you, you're talking about the love of God. I got a problem with you and with that. And I said, "Well, okay." Um, and and really, you know, trying to figure out. That's one of those moments when you pray a lot and you say, God, oh, yeah. I'm going to say something. You should put words in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, I said, what's your problem, sir? And he says, well, no. And he starts to get a little emotional. He says, when I look at my life, I wonder why God would love me. I'm not, I'm not worthy of love. My life is a mess. I'm broken. I've done so many terrible things. And you're telling me God loves me. Why in the world would he love me? When I look at my life, I don't see it. And then he pauses and I'm thinking, okay, is it my turn to talk yet? And then he revs up again. He goes, and when I look at my life, I see the pain, I see the wounds, I see the abandonment. And he goes down this long list of grievances that he has with God. He says, how can you tell me that God loves me and these things still happen? Because every time I look at my life, I've got evidence that God doesn't love me. And so I paused and I said my really, really, really fast prayer that is about the speed of an inhale and exhale. And I said, uh, sir, I'm just going to say this and I hope it makes sense. You are 1 million percent right that when you look at your life, you have evidence against the love of God. And so does everyone else in this room. But the problem that you are experiencing now is that uh, we are not called to look at our lives to find evidence for God's love. We're called to look at the cross for the evidence of God's love. Um, Justin, today in the church world, we are we are literally teaching people that God loves them based upon the evidence of their life, their prosperity, their health, their wealth, uh, their goodness of days. Their, rather than to look at the cross and go, that matter is settled. I am loved by God. I will live as one whom Jesus loves. Now I can take my eyes off of my life and look to the cross and look to Jesus. And I can begin to say, I know and I rely on this. Okay. The love God, because he <clears throat> demonstrated, he proved it. Uh, you know, it's 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 such a beautiful transition in the way we think. But it's also a reality. It's what's true, and it's a truth, both together. So you were going to ask me a question. What was that? I don't even remember. I just was sitting there, just enthralled by the story because I could so relate to that man. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I know it wasn't me who did that to you in the middle of a message, but I, I can relate to him because yeah. I'll be honest, that was a part of my problem. Mm-hmm. I was looking at myself for the evidence of the love of God. And you're right. I think in the church, if we're telling people that your life will get better, you're, I've had one heck of a hard year. Mm-hmm. And it sure as heck isn't about the evidence of the love of God. It's the cross. The fact yeah. that he loves me and is with me and is compassionate and all of those things. And that yeah. he paid for it on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's the evidence. My hope is heaven. Yeah. Not here and now. Right, um, you know, and my my hope, I I long for the day when we will run and be free, and when I will be unfettered from the just the sin that entangles us. You yeah. know, the the crazy, stupid thoughts that I think. I mean, yeah. I I really look forward to that day of being able to see him face to face and just mm. to say, you know, and worship in a way that is just honest and real, and not to say that they, you know it's just a shadow of what I'll be able to offer, you know? And so, yeah, it's the whisper. Heaven will be the shout. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know. No doubt. And, no doubt. and so, so that's a country music song right there. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> so, well, yeah. gosh, I, sorry. I got so incredibly enthralled by that conversation. I kind of lost my place, but here's, here's the question uh, that we've been kind of circling around. Um, Follow is about our eyes and our attention, right? It's about our eyes or ears. What are you looking at? Trust is about our mind. What am I thinking about? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where, where are my thoughts? And then it leads us into, do I know, do I trust that God loves me? Yeah. And am I allowing that love to transform me mm-hmm. so that I can love others? Um, that's what we're talking about, right? Am I, am I missing something here? It, it seems so simple. It, you're not missing a thing. Not missing a thing. Um, is there anything you want to add before we wrap this podcast up? Because I feel like we've got a good point on it right now, but right. at the same time, I, I want to make sure that we, we're not missing any thoughts about this. Um, I'm going to say this, that the I think the million dollar question uh, is how do you disciple somebody into this love relationship with Jesus? Because That's the question I meant to ask. So thank we've you been so talking about, you know, there's evidence against it when we look at our lives. Right. So part of it is how we have to help them shift their eyes uh, and their ears, how we have to help them change their thinking. Um, but when I'm discipling somebody, I'm going to focus on design that we were made to be loved and that we are loved. Mm-hmm. We're made to love others as well as be loved. It's in the creative design of God. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light. Mm. Not because God needed light, but because everything he created was going to need light. Mm. God, God didn't need anything that he made. There wasn't one thing that God created that he would look back and go, boy, now my life is good. Now it's complete. God is complete within himself, within the Godhead. Mm -hmm. And so everything that God created and every way in which he created it is this extreme act of love for us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create you. I'm going to gift you with my image. Uh, Your very soul will be my breath. Uh, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to make you a suitable helper. And he, and so in the design of God is the love of God built into it. And, and so when I'm walking with somebody, I want them to see, uh, when I build, when I, when I start to teach it that way, they begin to understand, boy, I'm not an accident. Mm-hmm. I was made by God to be loved by God. Uh, it's, it's, um, that beautiful picture. Uh, I'm also going to help them, uh, Focus on the reach of God's love. Uh, the love of God has um, <clears throat> has this potency um, to cause me, when I am deeply loved, to forgive my enemies. Oh. I can't do that unless I'm loved. Uh, it causes me to love others. It causes me to be generous. It causes me to give up more of myself and become self less not selfish and it, it, it's so potent that when it lands on me it's transforming yeah. so when john says i'm the disciple jesus loves 
he's not just simply describing the fact that God loved him. He's describing the transforming process. John and James, his brother, had nicknames. The sons, sons of, of thunder. thunder. But what yeah. moved them from being the sons of thunder to becoming the disciple? Jesus loved. It was the love of God, learning to live as though he was loved. And it has this, this potency. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, he says, I want you to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width of God's love. And the way that language is structured there, he's saying it's so high that if you look down, you couldn't see the bottom. It's so tall that if you were at the bottom and looked up, you couldn't see the top. It's so wide and deep that if you stood on one side, you couldn't see the other side. You couldn't, if you stood in the front, you couldn't see the back. Yeah. That, and then he says, and I want you, and I love the way he turns this phrase. I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, he says, I, I'd like your mind to get blown by how much God loves you. Let it blow your mind because we there's nothing like that in our world and in our culture. And nobody loves me like that. And I am amazingly loved by a lot of people, my wife, my kids. I got family that loves me dearly. I got people all over the world, but nobody loves me like Jesus does. He, I, 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 when I'm sitting down with somebody, I'm going to focus uh, on his truth in the face of other voices. Uh, look at the cross, not my life. I'm going to focus on modeling this love for others. When I mm -hmm. sit with you, when I sit with somebody else, um, it it's very it's very odd that we often have angry preachers talking about the love of God. Right? God loves you, and I'm going to shake you until you believe it. You know, uh, Jonathan Edwards, his famous sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of Hands an Angry of an God." Yeah. Um, and I and I, I've read it. I've studied yeah, it. I've read I, it. Um, and and maybe in the time and in the culture, it was appropriate. But today I go, ah, I, I would never use any of that because um, I don't think people know, I don't think people need to know nearly as much how sinful they are as how loved they are. Yeah. I think people know they're broken. You know, mm -hmm. I, I sat with a lady on a flight a couple of weeks ago who said, we were talking about this love that God has for us. She goes, I feel like I've been waiting my entire life for this conversation. Yeah. Because you're telling me I'm truly loved by God. I know I'm broken. I know I'm a mess. I know of the multiple marriages and the multiple uh, afflictions of my life. But you're telling me that God is here right now loving me. And so I want to model that. Now, my tone she says, I believe you. And mm. there's a believability that tone and demeanor and posture creates. And that happens when I'm loved by God. I want yeah. you, yeah. you know, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so when I am working through this process of teaching people, uh, how to how to know and rely on the love of God. I'm going to talk about the design. I'm going to talk about the impact of power of His love. I'm going to I'm going to talk about how to recognize His love in the face a lot of other faces. And so um, I'm going to talk about I'm going to try and model it. Um, and I'm going to ask this question of people: So, how did you experience the love of God this week? Mm. Tell me That's a place question. to where you think maybe God loved you specifically because what we're doing is we're literally training the mind to recognize the love of God mm -hmm. in the face of all the other voices. So I, I got to summarize this yeah. because you're literally doing something that feels very organic to you, but there's strategy to it. Let me show mm -hmm. you the strategy. You're asking them, where did you see the love of God? Which mm -hmm. is you're asking them to look. So that's a follow question, right? Yep. What do you see and what are you hearing? And then do you trust it? Because <laughs> it's, it's, are, are you experiencing this? Because that's part of, am I choosing to trust it? Okay. Yeah. So if I'm, I, it really, this is how these things are so incredibly interconnected, but how it would feel so organic if you're on the other side of the chair listening to this. Hey, how did you experience the love of God this week? Well, you're really asking them, are, where are you looking? Are you looking for it? And are you trusting it? Did you see it? Did you experience it? Do you know it? Um, that's the beauty of this process. 
and the simplicity and how it feels so incredibly organic, uh, uh, right? I mean, that's well, that's the thing is on the receiving end of this, I never saw the strategy behind it. Mm. I simply answered the question, well, this is what I saw him do. Yeah. This is what I know God has done in my life this week. This is what his word taught me this week. You know, this is what I read. Um, you know, I was reading Matthew 9 and I saw these four guys carrying this paralytic and they, mm. and the, what jumped out of me was he saw their faith, yeah. not just the guy's faith, but their faith. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. I said, what a, what a, just what a beautiful act of love Jesus had for those men to, to, to do that for his friend. And it would have been enough, right? Yeah. And yet yeah. He, he takes it one step further. He says, so that you know I can, here, do this. Stand yeah. up, go home, be healed. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I love that picture. And so, Such but in that you're asking, what am I following? Do I trust it? Do yeah. I know I'm loved? Those, yeah. those three elements are a part of that process. Yeah. So that's the strategy behind it. So if you're like me looking, well, wait a minute, where's the strategy? It's there. Believe me, it's there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there, there's an immersion in the process um, uh, because the process itself, the Jesus process itself layers step mm -hmm. by step, piece by piece strategically because he's the God of strategy, but he's also so the God of this organic relationship that, Man, yeah. I'm just doing this and you are experiencing it in real time. So um one of the things I and I and I think you're probably gonna get to this is uh in your question, but yeah, I want people to become experts at recognizing the love of God in the face mm. of their life. Yeah. And I almost said real life, but actually real life is is God's love. That's the real yeah. life. So how do yeah. I how do I help people do that? Because that's when we begin to know, that's when we begin to rely on the love of God. That's when we pause and say, ah, that makes so much more sense to me. Oh, wait, mm -hmm. life's not going well. You know, whomever the Lord calls a son, whomever he loves, he disciplines. Well, I know there's a lot of kids out there who isn't until they have a certain level of maturity that they recognize the discipline of their parents is love. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've been that guy with my own physical earthly folks, but also with God. Yeah. I, you know, you wait, wait a minute. And so um, part of my task as a, as a person who is loved by God and knows and relies on it is to say to somebody else, um, let me help you become an expert mm. at recognizing his love for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, just following that up, my circumstances are never the evidence mm. of God's love for me. No, no. Um, because, you know, I, you and I've had these conversations actually several times this last year in 23, we were talking about, you know, I lost, I've lost three sisters. Mm -hmm in the last three years. Um, I've had some pretty challenging personal diagnoses that kind of tweaked me pretty fast. My father is in hospice right now. And so I have the weight of painful circumstances in my life. And yet I know those are not, I know that God is still good. Yeah. He still yeah. loves me and I trust him. And in the midst of grief and in the midst of sorrow, I can still worship and I can still praise him and I can still say that he's good. And that's because I've experienced the love of God. I've gone through this process that I also know that the evidence of Jesus's love for me is the death on the cross. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's, it's throughout creation. That first act that he created us was out of love. I mean, you, you even, even, the creation itself is an expression of love. Yeah. I created something beautiful for you to experience it so that you know yeah. um, that I love you. And then when we messed it up, before we even messed it up, he had a solution. Right. And there's He's something about the love of God that is just so far reaching. Um, yeah. Job said this in the midst of all of his wounds, even if he slays me, I'll trust him. Yeah. That's a statement of love. Yeah. You know, uh, the Lord knows every step I take. And when he's done testing me, Job says, 
I'm coming out as gold. That's a statement of trust. Uh, and Job was, Job was assaulted by the enemy because he followed God. And he began to assault Job's trust and Job's understanding of the love of God. Uh, that's what he began to assault um, mm. in Job's life. Uh, Jesus, when he was on the earth, the sky opens up at his baptism and the father says, that's my son, that's who I love, and with him I'm well pleased. Mm. And everything from that moment on is either an assault on that declaration, the, the temptation actually takes on those three statements directly. Immediately Jesus was led into the wilderness and Satan says, well, if you really are the son of God, uh, and hey, if he really loves you, toss yourself off, he'll protect you. And oh, by the mm -hmm. way, if you really, if he's really pleased with you, why don't you, I'll give you more. I'll be more pleased with you. Mm -hmm. And those temptations came at Jesus uh, and, and at the cross throughout his life, all of the things that either drove Jesus or assaulted Jesus were in direct, uh, were in direct relationship to the pronouncement of the father at his baptism. That's yeah. my son, whom I love, and I'm pleased with him. And Jesus, because of his time with the Father, was an expert at recognizing the love of God. Yeah. Even from the cross where he said, Father, into your hands I commit myself. Yeah. Father, I'm going to go be with you now. That's even better. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see you, Dad. Because of Jesus was so well-loved. Mm -hmm. that's what I want for the people I disciple. That's a lifelong process. That is not, here's five pieces of information. Now <laughs> get out there and go. Yeah. That is literally a practice of living as though they're loved. It's speaking truth into your life. Going, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I say that so many times throughout a week, uh, quietly to myself, I am loved by God today. And mm -hmm. because I'm loved by God, I can have confidence. Because I'm loved by God, I can do hard things. Because I'm loved by God, I can live forgiven. Because I'm loved by God, I can say no to things. And so a part of my, my process personally, but also with others, is I want to let a perfect God define love, not an imperfect person. Yeah. I don't I don't want I don't want a definition that says love is a puppy, a cup of milk. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, love is just accepting me wherever I am and leaving me there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, oh, I couldn't even imagine. Like well, that, I mean, that doesn't sound loving at all, especially like leaving somebody in their addiction or their brokenness uh, or in the lies that they believe about themselves. It's and, counter. It's counterintuitive to physical and spiritual and emotional care. Yeah, uh, I'm hungry. Well, I love you so much. I'm just going to leave you hungry. Yeah, here's uh, a rock. I've soiled my diaper. I'm not in real life. I don't wear those yet. No, I hear um, yeah. But uh, you know, I uh, I love you so much. I don't mind the smell. I'll just leave it alone. Yeah. And, and I won't clean and, it up. And all of those things come back to, and so I, I want to adjust expectations of love. Yeah. Um, That's good. I don't want people to say, well, because God loves me, I won't struggle anymore. Um, because one of the demonstrations of love is, is, is the fact that God is with us. Emmanuel, mm -hmm. God with us. That's one yeah. of those expressions. I'm just going to be with you. Uh, how did how did how did God love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He did not deliver them from the fire. He got in the fire with them, uh -huh. and uh, they didn't get burned because He was with them. Uh -huh. And so, uh, I want to teach people again to spot love. I want to say this is how consistent God is. This is what He's done. Uh, and then the final thing I want to do is uh, in this process, Justin, is I just want to teach people to begin to step into loving others. How do you do that? How do you love somebody else? So um, Jesus in this amazing uh, uh, sending out of his, his disciples, uh, he wrapped up his, his instruction with this, freely you have received, free, freely give. Mm -hmm. we, we tend to use that, that text as about giving in money. But the reality of it is, it's actually about, uh, have you been given love? Give it away. Yeah. Have you been forgiven? Give it away. Uh, have you been graced with hope? Give it away. What God has given you and the ways that he has loved you, send it out. 
send it out to somebody else. Once we begin to live as though we're loved, that becomes the process, the process. And when people get into that process, they begin to live as somebody who knows uh -huh. and relies on the love of God. Uh -huh. And uh, that's what I got to say about this subject. Well, are there any other thoughts that you want to touch on? I mean, it sure sounds like we've we've got a good candle on what we're talking about here. Uh, we follow. It's about our eyes and our attention, our ears, our thoughts. You know, what are we what are we focused on? Trust. What are we thinking about? Right. That's right. about our mind. Love. Am I receiving the love of God for what it truly is? Am I letting Him define it? And am I loving others? Am I allowing it to flow mm -hmm. out of me, which is really that this, this lifelong transformational yeah. process? It really kind of leads us to the hint of next week. Are we? Are you ready to to, to touch on it? Uh, or, uh, let me tell you one quick story, and then um, yes, I will touch on it. Okay. Um, when I was working with students, we had a young gal who we met in a divorce recovery uh, workshop that we were leading every week uh, mm -hmm. at a camp, a high school campus. We'd we'd bring in pizza and pizza is like a magnet for kids. And so these kids would come in and we'd talk about their, their homes and how divorce had affected them. It was really just an opportunity for us to build friendships with kids, invite them to our house to eat food so we could tell them about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is the process we're in and it's happening and kids are, are starting to move in the direction of Jesus. And, um, uh, one, one young gal, um, uh, came from a home of faith, but had not yet trusted Christ. Mm. And uh, she's about 15 years old. And uh, so one night she says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to ask him into my life, forgive my sins. And we said, man, that'll be great. And we talked about it and she did. And one of the reasons that she stated was that she wanted to do that was because she wanted God to fix her family. Mm. I need God to restore my family. And I know that's beyond what I can do. Uh, so I'm asking him and she began to pray that and pray that and pray that. And about three weeks after she met Jesus, her mom committed suicide and she was devastated, obviously yeah. for more than one reason, God had disappointed her, but also my mom. I mean, all of those things, everything that you could think, um, we, we, we invested in her heavily. We sat with her many nights, talked with her for hours, prayed with her, walked with her through grief and just, hugged her and loved on her. And um, about a year later, she says, I've learned something because you have been with me. And she's saying this to both Marilee and I. Right. Um, and we said, well, what is that? She said, um, everything would have made me question the love of God that's happened in my life. Mm -hmm. But because you have been with me, I realize that this was going to happen anyway, because the world mm -hmm. we live in is broken. But had it happened without Jesus, I would have, had to go th gone through it unloved and alone. Yeah. And that's the beauty of teaching somebody that they're loved and how to love in return. Uh, oh. to, today she serves Jesus in, in such great ways. That's um, amazing. So I want to wrap it up with that because I think that's a pretty cool, a pretty a pretty cool way to to wrap it up with what we're trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, give us an insight. Where are we going next week? What's what's step four? Well, step four, one, follow, two, mm -hmm. trust, three, love. The process of Jesus, when I begin to love, because uh, I, I am loved, here's what happens, and we've alluded to it, I imitate. Yep. I begin to love with the same love that I have received. Yeah. Uh, I begin to share that, and I imitate. And we're going to talk about how does... How does a person become an imitator of God uh, and walk in love, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1? How does that happen? How do you walk with somebody? So tune in next week. I think you're going to like it. Yeah. Well, and hey, Leonard, thanks so much for letting me be a part of this journey. I, again, I love this process. I love walking with you. Um, love the journey that we've experienced, that I've had a, a privilege of walking with you for all these years. And uh, just can't tell you. Thanks enough for what you have demonstrated um, in my life. And uh, listeners, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us on Say Yes and Become. We are passionate about this very thing that we're talking about. And if you have any questions about making disciples, 
uh, reach out to us. Send us an email at sayyespod at gmail.com. We'd love to help you get connected. This is our singular mission to help people make disciples who make disciples. And gosh, thank you so much for joining us for part three and look forward to seeing you next week for part four. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This is part three. That's what I said. I know. Next week is part four. Next week is part four. Next week. I'm confused. It's It's okay. I need my vitamins. Thanks for joining us today, (laughs) listeners. God bless you. And we will see you next time. (laughs)